Well, what a wonderful truth. And I'm so excited that you're inviting us into your home. Even though we're snowed in, we still get to gather together and, and hold up the word of God. And as we hold up the word of God, we get to remember God's faithfulness and his mercy. And so today we're going to continue in our series on the law of God. And we're actually going to look at, at the, the, the fifth commandment. The commandment about uh, how children are to honor their parents. But we're going to see this commandment, it actually serves as a hinge between the way we love God and the way we love others. And so as you tune in, would you, uh, would you open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20? And I'm going to read from verse 12. If you want to maybe even, maybe even stand in honor of the reading of God's word, listen now to, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, as simple as that, one verse, but I'm going to have you stop there. And as you stop, let me, uh, let me some, set some things up for you by telling you a little bit about the house we moved into uh, just over a year ago. My family, we kind of went through a process of moving to Longview and having a temporary place to stay as we looked for a, a house to buy. And, and finally, we bought a house. And, and you probably know what it's like when you, when you buy a house. You, you kind of go in and you start identifying all of the little things that need to be fixed. And it wasn't long before the list was longer than my arm. And it's like every day there was another little project and another little, little project. And one of those projects that we kind of kept pushing off and, and I thought I had fixed it. And then we pushed it off a little while longer was, was my youngest son's, his bedroom door, you know, his bedroom door. It was, it was having some troubles closing. And so I, I went and I, I found that the screws and the hinges, they were just a little bit loose. And so, you know, I just got my, my, uh, my drill and I, I tightened them up and just kind of went on with my way, but it wasn't, uh, but a week later that he was telling me, dad, my, my door, it's not closing again and it's not opening again. It's having troubles. And so I went and I, I looked at these screws and this time, instead of just drilling them in, I, I dr pulled them out. I, I drilled it out and I realized that the, the screw that was holding the hinge to the door jam was uh, like, like a half inch screw. <laughs> It was just this, these tiny little screws and all, and all of the, the hinge holes for it, they're just these tiny little screws. And so I realized pretty quickly, well, here's the problem. These, these screws, they, they don't support the hinge. This hinge, it's not working and it, it needs to be fixed completely. And so I went and, and found some, some much longer screws and, and replaced the short screws and drilled it in there. And after I did that, not a single problem with this door. You see, see his door, the functionality of it, whether opening or closing it, 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 it literally it hinged upon, well, the hinges and whether or not they worked. And, and I, I share that story because that is actually what we find in the fifth commandment. You, you see the fifth commandment and what we're going to look at in the fifth commandment is actually a hinge between the first four commandments that teach us how to love God. Now, we've looked at these over the last four weeks. We've said, how does God teach us the, the way that we are to love him? And, and then the next six commandments, they teach us how to love our neighbors. But, but in between them, this very, very important commandment, and it, it's very simple. Honor your father and mother. On this commandment, we, we find is the hinge between loving God and loving, and loving our neighbor. In fact, I would go so far to say is loving God and loving others, it hinges on the home. 
Let me, let me explain that today. As, as we walk through this, and as we look at what, what this commandment entails, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that loving God and loving others, it hinges, it swings, it, it's supported by, it, it hinges on the home. You see, the real question we should be asking is, is why is this commandment the first commandment when it comes to loving neighbor? Is, is this more important than not murdering or not lying or not committing adultery? And what we're going to see is all of those, all of those other commandments, if you get this one, if you understand this one, if you embrace honoring your father and mother, the next five commandments, they, they come, I won't say naturally, but, but, but they come logically. They flow out of this. And and so let's turn back to our text. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, it says, honor your father and mother. Now, here's here's the first question. Then what does it mean to honor? What what does it mean to honor? Well, simply put, let's start with the, the reality that to honor is to obey. To honor is to do what your, your parents, what your father and mother, what they command. You see, we, we can't just define honor however we want. We have to define it in terms of obedience. That's what the New Testament actually does. If you turn to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul, he's applying the gospel He's applying the gospel. In this point, he's applying it to to families, to children, and then to parents. And and he's saying, if you are in Christ, if you have trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus, this is what it looks like to live in a way that reflects that. And so to do this, you you turn and, and here's his words. Verse one, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You see, here's what Paul says. To honor, it's equivalent as to obey. Now, of course there are limits. If you're listening there and, and you're a teenager and your parent tells you, hey, I, you know, I, I want you to lie to my, you, you, your other parent, well, that, that would not be a way to honor your parents. If, you, if your parent says, hey, you know, this weekend we're going to go and we're going to steal something, you don't have to obey that. That would be outside of God's revealed uh, requirement. And so that, that would not be part of what it looks like to honor. But, but most families don't have to deal with that. Most of us aren't sitting there with, with our parents trying to get us to do the wrong thing. And so then what we're really saying is why, is, why is obedience to our parents so important? Why, why is it so vital, especially in the Christian home, for, for children to, to not just to say I honor my parents, but why is it so important for children to obey? And, and it's because of this hinge, it's because this is the connection between, between loving God and loving neighbor. You see, your obedience to your parents is actually your obedience to God. Obedience to parents, the way a child learns to obey their parents, it actually is the pattern for the way a person learns to obey God. 
In fact, the home, the home is where the proper view of authority is learned. Ideally, in the home, you have loving parents who raise their kids so their kids can trust them, even when their parents tell them to do things they might not want to do, like the dishes or make their bed or, or brush their teeth, right? The, the kids know that the parents have their best interest at heart. And so they learn to obey their parents. And this is the pattern for, for children to learn to obey, to obey God. And this is because all authority is instituted by God. All authority, good and bad, all authority is placed by God. In fact, the scripture oftentimes, it kind of reveals realms of authority in three different areas. One of them is, in fact, the family, the home. Mom and dad, they they have authority over their children. And and the father is to lead the household in a way that reflects and honors God. They lead by providing, by protecting, and by training in the ways of the word of God. But we also have another area of authority, which which is the church. The church is the authority on, on spiritual matters. And so in the church, you should have godly elders who lead with Christ-likeness in matters of, of following Christ and living on mission. They're the authority when it comes to how, how does the scripture, following the scripture and deal, dealing with matters of sin and, and growth. This is what the church does is the, the authority within the church. Then the third is the authority of, of the government. The Bible speaks about the government as, as a servant of God. The, the, the authority of the government is meant to be a servant of God who punishes those who do evil. This is, this is all placed in, in, in this earth by God. And, and all of this is meant to be a pattern where we learn not just to obey parents, but we learn to obey God. You see, the way you respond to parental authority, it actually determines the way you will respond to God's authority. A child, if they're raised to obey their parents, even when they disagree, that, that sets in place in a child's life this, this pattern so that they, when they're on their own, when they become an adult, they now know how to obey God. Even even in the hard places of God's word, even in the places where God's word tells them to do something that is against maybe what they want to do or, or, or tells them not to do something that they really do want to do. This is how the pattern of scripture works. We learn to obey our parents and what we're really doing is learning to obey God. See, the home is where a proper view of authority is learned, but, but also the home can be the place where an improper view of authority is learned. You see, we actually live in a culture that teaches us that, that authority is a bad thing. We actually live in a culture that teaches us that we are to, we're to question authority. Whenever we see authority, we're supposed to be suspicious of it. We're supposed to question it. But, but the reality is what we're being taught when we're, when we're trained to question authority is, is question authority by a certain standard. When we question authority, we have to question, what is the the standard of this authority? In our culture today, it actually teaches us we are to question authority that we don't agree with. 
not based on any kind of objective moral standard. We just question authority that we don't agree with. So typically what that means is we learn to question any authority that is not, that is not me. Well, we live in a world that says you are to question any authority that is actually not you. And so if, if someone tells you that you can't do something, well, you question their authority because, well, because you're the ultimate authority. In, in the home, if we have this kind of culture, what this does is it trains our children. It trains young people to, to question authority, not based on the biblical standard, but based on some sort of emotional standard. The reality is, yes, we should question authority, but we should always question it against the standard that is God's word. Is this authority? We should ask this. Is this authority calling me away from loving God first? The first commandment. Is this authority calling me away from loving God truly? The second commandment. Is this authority calling me away from loving God's name? The third commandment, is this authority calling me away from, from loving God's work as I observe the Sabbath? Loving God's work, the fourth commandment. See, we should ask ourselves, is this authority, are they driving in their lane? See, the reality is, is government should have, should have no voice in saying this is how worship should happen. In the same way, the church, the church, church is not meant to be the authority in the home. So the, a church member comes into a home and says, oh, you're not feeding your kids this, or you're not punishing them this way. Well, you're doing it wrong. See, see that realm of authority, that, that would be the church driving outside of their lane. And all of this it comes back to saying, what is, what is the proper view of authority? And backing this all the way up to this commandment, a proper view of authority, it it's, starts in the home. The family, the home, is the place where proper authority is learned. And so, just to begin, in the most practical way, if children are going to honor their mother and father, it starts by obeying them. In fact, if you're a young person listening to this, one of the simplest things you can do is when your parents, when they tell you to do something, this is your response. Yes. And then go do it. I mean, let me just ask you, if you're a young person, how often is your response when mom and dad tell you to do something? Is it, oh, I'll, I'll do it in a minute. Or, or can, I, can I play my video games a little bit more? Or is it this, this over-exaggerated eye roll so your eyes roll deeply into the back of your head and your shoulders slump and you go, oh, okay. That, that's not the kind of obedience we're looking for. It, it, listen, if you are a young person who wants to grow in godliness, if you are a young person who says, I want my life to count for the things of God. I want to be used for the sake of the gospel. I want to please my heavenly father and my savior Christ and live in the spirit. Here's where you start. You start simply in obedience to your parents. It might not be where you want to start, but it is, it is the wisest place you can begin you see, loving God and loving others, we see it actually hinges on the home. For children, this means it starts with honor, and to honor is to obey, but, but let's keep going, because to honor is to obey, but, but to honor is actually more than to obey. 
It's not less than it, but, but it actually honoring is even more than simply obedience. Back to Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God has given you. That word honor, it's actually the same word for glory. That word honor is actually the same word used when describing God in his glory. And so when we give glory to God, we give honor to God. This is actually aligning us as as young people who, who give honor, in a sense, who give glory, who give weight, who give substance, who give importance to our parents. And this, this glory is typically, it's, it's paired up with the idea of worship. Psalm 86, verse 9, it says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship you, O Lord, and shall honor or glorify your name. You see, to, to honor your parents is to do more than just obey them. It's something bigger than that. So does this mean that mom and dad, you're sitting there at home and you say, hey, after we finish this worship service online, a uh, worship service to God, you know what we're going to do next? We're going to have a worship service to me. <laughs> so you guys are going to sing my praise and you're going to worship me and you're going to bow down before me. No, of, of course not. That's not what we're talking about here. That would be a violation of everything we've been learning so far. But here's what it does mean. To honor is to give importance. To honor, that, that, that word honor, that word glory, it means weight. It means substance. To honor is to give importance. You are to give importance to your parents. For a teenager, we'll talk about what this means for grown adults with parents in a moment. But for a teenager... For a teenager, you, you give importance to your parents. Listen, when you listen to your parents' advice and their words more than you listen to your friends. So you see, we, you, you live, I remember being a teenager. I've got a teenager in my house. I've got almost two now. One of them is approaching that. You live in a world where most of your frame of mind, it centers on your friends, and it should, in, in a sense, you are a social creature. Friends are important. Community is important. But, but how often do we see teenagers who they become so focused on what their friends think and what their friends say, and in time, they become a people pleaser, and it leads them down the wrong road. You see, if you want to honor your parents, it means you give greater importance to what your parents think about you than what your friends think about you. Now, again, this is a pattern because if you learn to give greater weight, greater importance to what your parents think about you than to what your friends think about you, this trains you so that when you are on your own in the world, you now have the, this discipline, this, this, this muscle that's grown so that you, you've actually learned already how to give greater importance to what God thinks about you than what the world thinks about you. You see, the real test comes when you get out of the house. The real challenge happens when you have graduated and you're on your own and you don't have mom and dad looking over your shoulder. That's the real test. Because no longer are you necessarily held accountable for your actions and it can become very easy to care more about what the world thinks than what God thinks. 
And so you, you begin by giving honor to your parents. You give them importance by caring more about what they think and what they say than what your friends think and what your friends say. Now, now that's what it looks like for a teenager. If you're listening and you're not a teenager, but you are a grown adult and you have parents that, that are, are still on this earth and, and you say, how do I honor them? Well, this means you make them important as well. How do you make grown adults uh, with, with, how do you make your, your parents important if you're a grown person? You include them. You include them in your life. This might mean simply giving them a call regularly and saying, hey, how are you doing? It might mean just simply calling them and telling them, here's what's going on in my life. And now I recognize typically this is easier for gals to do than guys to do. Most of us guys, we would do well to call, to call our folks a little bit more often. Say, hey, how you doing? Here's what's going on in my life. As an adult, you begin, you honor, you give importance by including them. But the second way is you give them importance by becoming their caregiver. By looking after their needs as they get older. As your parent who has done so much for you in your life, as they maybe weaken and their health maybe goes downward, you now become someone who gets to make them important by caring for them in many of the same ways they have cared for you. You give honor by giving importance. And secondly, you honor them by giving thanks. By giving thanks. We honor God when we say thank you in our, our praises, but we honor our parents when we say thank you. Thank you for providing for me all those years. Thank you for the care and the support. Thank you for those times that you sacrificed. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. Maybe the thing you do after this service is you call your parent and you simply say, hey, thank you. Thank you. Now, I know some that listen to this and they say, Mike, when you talk about care and love and support and sacrifice and provision, I didn't get much of that. I didn't get very much of that. And so maybe you're looking at that and you say, I can't honor my parents that way. Well, listen, if you had dysfunctional parents, you have a great opportunity to give grace. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to still honor them because God's word calls you to. I want you to honor them by, by thanking them for the things that you can thank them for, by, by choosing to see the best. You see, don't add disdain to the dysfunction. Instead, add grace. You see, th this commandment, this is the hinge. Loving God and loving others, it hinges on the home. And so even if you had dysfunction, pour grace into that with your parents. And so it starts for children. Children honor their parents with obedience, and they honor their parents with even more than obedience. But what about, what about the parents' role in the home? You see, for parents, an honorable parent is a godly parent. In a sense, moms and dads listening, your, your job is to make honoring you as easy as possible for your children by being as Christ-like as possible in the way you lead your home. Let me say that again. Your job is to make things as easy as possible for your children by, by leading them with as Christ-like of a home as you can. Let me show you what I mean. 
Turn back with me to Ephesians chapter six. We've already gone one through three. Now look at verse four. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It starts, it says, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Let's talk about that. This, this phrase provoke to anger, it's one word. That's actually one word in the Greek. It's, it's a word that, that is two words combined. The first word means to aim at to, or to move toward. And the other word means wrath. It says, fathers, do not aim your children at, at wrath. Do, do not parent them. Do not father them in a way that leads them, that moves them, that directs them, or, or that pushes them toward wrath. Now, now, listen, this applies to mothers as well. But, but the scripture recognizes that a father's role is the one that is more likely and more regularly going to provoke his, children's to, his children to anger. In, in fact, the, the father's role is, is so, it's so key. This is in no way to diminish the mother's role. But, but fathers, oftentimes we are the ones that tend to, to maybe not see things correctly or, or maybe need to be reminded of the importance of our role specifically in the lives of our children. Data from the U.S. Census Bureau actually shows this in connection with a father's role in the house one quote says, the spiritual and the emotional void created by absent fathers is often replaced by poor choices of children they leave behind. Children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, become involved in drugs and alcohol abuse, drop out of school and suffer from health and emotional problems. Now, I read that. Let me, let me connect the dots for you. See, these are typically actions that stem from the life of a child who has, has been provoked to anger by the absence or maybe the, the wrong kind of presence of a father. I mean, what does it look like for a dad to provoke their children to anger? First of all, this, this, this quote actually hints at it. Distant dads aim their children to anger. See, when dad, when he's not in the picture at all, or, or when he is present but absent in, in real like relationship dynamic, when, when dad comes home and is disconnected from his kids, or maybe he works extra hours all the time, so he's never really even around, what happens is this actually aims, it, it takes a child and it points their shoulders at anger. Because they're not getting the, the, the fatherly love that they crave and they're made to have. Distant dads aim their children at anger. But, but it's not just distant dads. Domineering dads can do the same thing. If instead of being distant, if you're a dad and you're just, you always got your child under your thumb and your child can never do anything good enough for you and you're always critiquing them and you're always angry at them. If you have a domineering presence toward your child, they, they might obey in the moment, but their heart, even though they're doing what's right because of fear, their heart is being, it's being pushed toward anger. So, Scripture doesn't call you to be distant. 
Scripture doesn't call you to be domineering. Instead, it calls you to be devoted. You see, devoted dads, instead of aiming their children at anger, devoted dads aim their children to the Lord. The end of verse 4. It says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That, That word discipline It's the same word used in Hebrews chapter 12, speaking about how God the Father disciplines his children. And in fact, I want to read for you Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. I want you to listen. I want you to account how many times you hear a form of that word discipline. It says, verse 5, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, or my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. And what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, our heavenly father, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment all for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Did you count with me? Nine times it describes a father and his discipline toward his children. See, see, this discipline toward children, it's training, it's encouragement. It's instead of aiming them at anger because you're distant or you're domineering, it's aiming them at the Lord because you're interested, because you, you're caring, because you're sacrificing yourself to be part of their lives. You see, devoted dads, they aim their children to the, wor- to the Lord. That Ephesians 4, it says, it says, discipline them and instruct them. The instruction is to warn or to advise. It, it's, it's to point them in the right direction and, and to show them the wrong direction. You see, see parents, in the same way, you, you can do this with what you say to your children. Just like children can, can say to their parents, yes, I'll do that right away. Just like children can say to their parents, I, uh, I, I want to thank you for all you've done for me. Just like children can say to their parents, I want to honor your words and what you think more than my friends. Parents, there are some powerful words, powerful words that you can say over your children. Let, let me remind you of a few of them, that your children should hear from you regularly, if not daily, then weekly. Here's the first I love you. I love you. See, there's some adults that I know who grew up in homes where, 
where it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a guy thing to say, I love you. And so they never heard that from their parents or, or they never heard that from your, their father. And because they never heard it from their father, they have never said it or they've rarely said it to their children. And so, so they don't realize their children are walking around life with this question over their head. Well, I, I, I think my dad loves me, but, but he never really says it. <laughs> How often in the scripture does God declare his love for you? Your heavenly father proclaims it over and over and over again. And so you as an earthly father, let me, let me just remind you how important it is for your children to hear those simple words. I love you. You know what else your kids need to hear from you? No. No. Dad, can I play this video game? No. Dad, can I have extra screen time today? No. Dad, can I hang out with this person? No. See, see, as a parent, you should be able to know what's good for your child, what's going to aim them at the Lord, and what's going to aim them away from the Lord. And you should have no problem whatsoever telling your child no to the things that are not good for them. For, for, for something so simple as screen time to something so vital as the friends they choose and, and, and the places they, they hang out away from the home. As a parent, as a dad, your children need, they desperately need to hear the word no. I mean, after all, our Heavenly Father, who knows what's best for us, He, he says no all the time. He, he says no within even these Ten Commandments about the, the, the law of life and liberty. He knows is an important thing. Here's what else your kids need to hear from you. They need to hear the phrase, this is what God's word says. This is what God's word says. When Paul says to, to, to raise up your child in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, this very clearly means specifically dads, you need to be teaching your children the word of God. This doesn't mean you need to go get a seminary degree. This doesn't mean you need to learn Greek and Hebrew, but this does mean that you need to be reading the word of God and you need to be sharing with your children what God's word says. What you teach them about God's word is so much more important than what I'm ever going to teach them. What you teach your children about God's word is so much more important than what they're going to learn in the kids ministry here or the youth ministry here. You Father and, and mother combined, you are the primary voice of discipleship and spiritual truth in the life of your children. They need to hear, this is what God's word says. So they need to hear, I love you. They need to hear, no. They need to hear, this is what God says. Let me give you one more thing. They need to hear these words. I was wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, one of the ways that you can guard yourself from being a domineering parent is simply by, by modeling repentance. When you mess up, own it. When you raise your voice, go to your child, say, I was sor I'm sorry I was wrong to speak to you that way. Will you forgive me? You see, what you're teaching them in that moment is invaluable. It, it, is, it is so precious. You're teaching them how to, to live in repentance themselves. 
You're teaching them how to live in forgiveness themselves. Your kids, they need to hear, I love you. They need to hear, no. They need to hear, this is what God says. They need to hear, I'm sorry. And here's the last thing they need to hear. Not a specific phrase. They need to hear you pray for them. They need to hear you pray over them. They need to hear you beg the Father to lead them and to grow them, to, to show them who Christ is. When they hear that, what you're doing is you are, you are aiming them, not toward anger, but you're aiming them to the Lord. And this is why, this is why I believe that, that loving God and loving others, it hinges on the home if we can get this right, then we can tra train generation after generation, in fact, how to love God and how to actually love their neighbors. It starts with training children to honor and obey their parents. It, it expands by seeing parents, honorable parents, as, as godly parents. This means that your home, your home, can find hope in Christ. Maybe you're listening to this and you've got a, a pretty solid foundation and things are going well for you. Guess what? You continue going that direction. God bless it. Continue moving forward. Do everything you can to stay on track, aimed at Christ. But maybe you're listening to this and you're looking around and maybe you're even in the room with your kids or your teens or your spouse and you know right now in this moment that you guys are missing the mark. It's not too late. You can find hope you can find transformation in Christ. I mean, look at, look at this Ephesians passage again, and let's connect the dots. Back to verse 1, Ephesians 6. says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Here's Paul's commentary. He says, This is the first commandment with a promise. There's a promise for us here. What is that promise? That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You see, God promises life to this loving home. He says this is the first commandment with a promise. For Israel, they were taught this commandment so they could live long in the land that God was giving them, the land of Canaan. For us today, this doesn't mean we're going to pick up and we're going to move to Canaan. For us today, this teaches us how to live with love in our home. This is us learning the greatest two commandments. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. You see, everything hinges on loving God and loving your neighbor. But in the very middle of those is this command to honor your parents. In the very middle of this is the, is the exhortation with Ephesians to, to be the kind of parent that aims your child at the Lord. A loving home, here's what it requires. It requires parents who love their children, and it requires children to love their parents. T today's message, it is a call to children. Today's message, it is a call to parents. It's a call for you to look at one another as your neighbor, <laughs> And to love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now, if things haven't gone right so far, I'm just going to be really honest. This is not an easy call. This is a call to some of the most difficult things you'll ever act on. This is a call to humility. Humility. Thinking of others is better than yourself. This is a call to repentance by actually owning the places you may have messed up so far. If you're a child, repentance toward your parent. If you're a parent, repentance toward maybe your spouse or your children. This is a call to forgive. When that other person, when they repent, when they say, you know what, I have not been doing it right. This is a call for you to to forgive them. And ultimately, this is a call to obey. And this is so hard, but, but listen, through Christ, children can honor their parents. Children, here's what it looks like. You look at Jesus. You look at his perfect obedience. You look at how he, in his perfect obedience, he died to pay the price for all the times that you have been disobedient, not just to your parents, but to the heavenly father. You see that through his death and resurrection, you can learn to obey like he did. And this means that that through Christ, parents can raise their children. Parents, you know what you do? You look to the heavenly father and you see his, his kindness and how gracious he's been. You see his forgiveness toward you. And every time you train and every time you discipline and every time you correct your children, you attempt to do it with that same kindness that God has shown to you in all of your sin. You see, this is a call to children, and this is a call to parents. This is a call to families. And you know what? On this call, the call to be a Christian home, it it hinges. This is how you really love God. This is how you really love God, and this will set you up to really love your neighbor. Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we pray for your blessing on our homes and our families. God, God, I pray that you would train us as parents to aim our children at you. Help us to say and do the things that reflect what you have said and what you have done. Help us to overwhelm our children with love and affection. Help us to gently and firmly show them what's right and what's wrong. Help us to have confidence to say no in the times where we need to say no. Help us to to stumble our way toward, toward teaching children your word. And God, I pray for our children in our homes. I pray that they would learn not simply to obey and honor their parents. God, we want that. We want that because it honors you. But more than that, help them to learn that as they obey and honor their parents, help them to learn to obey and honor you. God, we pray for the children in Valley, all of the kids that we get an opportunity to connect with, everyone that's connected in any way here at Valley. We pray for all these children would grow up caring more about what their parents think than what, what their friends think. And ultimately, we pray that they would grow to become men and women who care more about what you say and what you think than what the world says and what the world thinks. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.